Hi, I'm Darren Wright. And I'm Tim Beadle. Welcome to Disciple Making. Welcome to another edition of Disciple Making. My friend Darren Wright is with me, Tim Beadle. And uh, before we go forward, actually, this is the first uh, time we're connecting in the new year. Before we go forward, we're going to just turn and reflect in the rearview mirror, as it were, to see where we've come from uh, the last couple of podcasts so that we can remind you and also get you on board with where we're going today. Darren, why, why don't you take us away? Yeah, well, Happy New Year, Tim, and Happy New Year, everybody listening to us. I, you probably won't be listening to this till the end of January, so just because we are actually ahead of the curve, That's uh, right. which is kind of nice, uh, but we're recording this early in, in January, and uh, we've been walking through, uh, in the way, church as we know it can be a disciple-making movement again by Damien Girk, and walking through the contrast between legacy church and disciple-making movements. And the segment we're in right now is on, on chapter seven, how the church is led and developed. And we already kind of talked about leadership, you know, professional clergy versus bivocational leadership, talking maturity, how we measure maturity, knowledge versus Christ-likeness. Last time we spent a, a bit of time on what we call the equipping gifts, which is that whole APEST issue uh, from Ephesians chapter four, where there are these functions of uh, apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, slash pastor, and teacher and talked about how uh, these different functions are actually essential when it comes to disciple-making. That's kind of where we landed off, Tim, at the yeah, uh, the last was, recording. Yeah, and I think it's important, because we are focusing on disciple-making, to realize that uh, the, the Lord has given different gifts to his church, the body of Christ, and we can't ignore them and go our merry own way and trying mm. to just uh, using our own smarts and, uh, well, this is how we've always done it and expect to really both honor the Lord, bring him glory and for our own good to experience, uh, really the outcome of his command to us to go into the world, make disciples that make disciples. A disciple again is a follower of Jesus, one who imitates him. And as Bill Hull, uh, my friend has suggested that a disciple is someone who, uh, lives their life as if Jesus is living his life through us. And I think that's the role of the Holy Spirit as well. But we finished here with the APEST. And uh, today, what, what, what are we going to get into today, Darren? Well, this is the last little contrast under how the church is led and developed. And it's about the management approach. Sounds very corporate. The management approach. And the contrast here is one of control, which is kind of a, a way of de you know defining some aspects of management in a legacy church, versus releasing and uh, we'll unpack what that means in a bit, Tim. But, you know, this one strikes a little close to home for me as a pastor, a former pastor. And as I was looking into this topic here, I I remember having an argument with a fellow about this very issue. And I was the one arguing for more control. <laughs> and he was the one arguing for more releasing of people and more freedom and, you know, and that. And uh, he was right yeah. in that case. And I was, in fact, wrong because I, you know, being very you know, structured and organized and perfectionist, I leaned towards that control, as do shepherd teachers in general. And uh, uh, really, I've had to wrap with what that looks like in disciple making because a release of people, you've already alluded to that according to gifts, is inherent in disciple making. It doesn't happen without the release. 
that's 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 right. So, well, it's good to know, and uh, you've obviously got the gift of humility since you did confess and you lost <laughs> the argument. But, but I'm I, always willing to admit mistakes twenty years after the fact. Exactly. <laughs> Not to your wife, however. I bet you know we we need to keep short accounts there. Yeah. Uh, but I think um, when I look back over the last thirty years of my uh, pastoral ministry, I have been taught to keep things under control. Uh, now, my years as a Salvation Army officer, that whole system is based on, uh, you know, structure, a hierarchy where you basically obeyed the person who is above you, who gave you directions. And all you have to do is, as it were, salute and get on the way. However, uh, there are you know, there are some good things about control. Uh, number one, it does maintain quality. And, and also, it does also evoke accountability, so you don't have a lot of uh, lone rangers. But uh, do you want to unpack a little bit about uh, both sides, and we can just uh, banter back and forth about uh, yeah. the good and bad, yeah, sure. and also, uh, really, if we're going to be disciple-making movements, uh, how release has to become more of a expected outcome in in leadership and church life. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and like I said, it is inherent to disciple-making, and if if our role is multiplication, that's our goal, multiplication. Again, it implies release. And yeah. when we are when we take on a controlling mechanism, we may uh, create some addition, but it's very difficult, difficult to create multiplication because we never get around to releasing people to do what we've been doing with them. It becomes a one-to-many at best, as opposed to one to two and two to four uh, kind of process. And you know, when we think about again, right, running a church as an organization. Again, who would argue against control and structure and everything else? You, you really can't. But this begins to raise the question of how how much of the way we, quote, do church mitigates against disciple making. Because if our mindset is control, it's very hard, very, very hard to release. And for me, I, I find this a scary point because it's, it's like a pivot point yeah. because um, it comes down to a mindset. That I can I can kind of check off all the other boxes so far about disciple making, and you know go yes 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 even to a pest, yeah. but if I'm not willing to release some control authority leadership to others, then we have truncated the entire disciple making process. Tim, yeah, you know in in scripture, Paul uses a, the familial relationships between parents and kids and things like that. I, I I'm just trying to apply this even to the example of raising kids, because basically when you make disciples and make disciples, uh, they, they, there is that formative stage where they're learning how to walk uh, like Jesus and talk through prayer and eat and, you know, feed on his word. But you, you, you can't always be doing it for them or control them. Otherwise they never fully reach their potential. Uh, the mm -hmm. thing, uh, as I now look at my four adult children is that um, because at some point we were forced to release because they were leaving anyway. Right. <laughs> um, but the goal of my heart wasn't to control them anymore. It was to see the trajectory of all the things we had implanted in their lives, the seeds of faith, hmm. the gifts of encouragement, and to really watch them fly in, in their own trajectory and, and actually see them surpassing where I would ever well, not only I would ever have ended up personally, but if, if I had kept trying to control them, uh, they would never have ended up where they are now. Mm, yeah. And, and sometimes I know with our kids, Tim, and I'm sure it's true in ministry and stuff making, 
we don't want to release them because we don't want them to get hurt. Exactly. We don't want them to fail. You know, we want to, we want to protect them. And, you know, a mentor of mine shared a story from this is years ago. You remember something called evangelism explosion. Oh yeah. Where, you know, an an evangelism methodology. And he was, went down to, you know, a big conference in Florida with D James Kennedy, the founder of evangelism explosion. And, and asked, you know, they're in, in, a, in the session and, and my friend asked Kennedy, you know, well, what if you're, you know, in a situation where someone's, you have your mentee sharing the gospel and they're just completely flubbing it and they're messing it up. Should I not step in and, you know, yeah. do the gospel properly and make sure this person gets saved? And Kennedy looked at him and said, if you think that way, you'll never multiply your ministry. Yeah. That yeah. you've got to let people flex their wings and get out of the nest and flutter around a bit and maybe, you know, crash and burn a bit and learn. And that's, again, in a legacy church, we don't like that to happen, especially on a Sunday morning. <laughs> you know, we want things to be perfect. And disciple making, as you know, Tim, is inherently messy. Yeah, it is. And it was interesting when you actually did the intro, you talked about the difference between legacy churches and disciple making movements. And it's kind of interesting that, that now we talk about like the church isn't a movement, uh, but originally it was like the church was mm. the movement. But because uh, when you look throughout history and church history and organizational structure and hierarchy, it has actually really stripped the natural momentum of, of what a disciple making movement mm. was to become because we want to make sure everything can be measured and ordered. And those who are in administrative, even in ecclesiastical leadership, sometimes they find their self-worth in how good we are able to count things. And uh, yeah, in the Bible, they, they counted things. They, they uh, sort of saw how many people came at Pentecost and how many fish were caught in John, at the end of John. But, but a movement, the whole idea with a movement and the whole thought of release is that you actually can lose track and that's okay to lose track mm. of where it's going. Well, that's, that's really a good thought. Yeah, we, we want to keep track and everything else, but, but there's no way we can. You know, in the book here, he unpacks a lot of reasons why we have this problem, and we're not going to spend a lot of time on them, but one of the issues is centralization. Yeah. The centralization, by its very nature, uh, leads to control. You have centralized facilities, centralized ministries, uh, centralized, you know, doctrinal statements, that kind of thing. And they're not all inherently evil, but that, that does lend itself to control. But let's let's talk about then moving to the solution side. How do we release? What does release look like? And what's the kind of even theological framework for releasing people to ministry? Do you, yeah, well, do you want to start something there? Well, well, sure. Well, I'm just thinking if we are truly to follow Jesus, uh, what was his approach? Now, Jesus didn't have to deal, well, he did, you know, he did, I was going to say, Jesus didn't have to deal with the organized church, but he actually did, and that was called the temple in Jerusalem, and yeah. we, we we know what happened there, uh, that there was no life there anymore, mm. and so Jesus obviously called a few unto himself, and spent time with those few, even though the masses were always badgering him, but then there came a point, and you know, in Ma Matthew 4, where he seems to take the relationship to a different level from just not only follow me, but then he says, follow me, and I'm going to make you into fishers of men. It seems mm. that there is this pivot there where he was going to make them fishers of men by actually releasing them after he had spent some time training them and they observed him, then he actually released him and, you know, he let them go and they came back and reported. So, so that would be one 
one uh, model that I would see in terms of just using Jesus as our central example. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's training. There's certainly accountability and, you know, and everything else. But, you know, there were groups of clusters of two scattered all over the countryside there. And he wasn't, you know, physically present with them. And he was okay with that. Yeah. And when you think uh, social media allows us to keep in touch, keep track, keep, keep accounts with people. In those days, people went and you didn't hear from them for a long time. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and you know even in the early church there'd be new churches springing up because because the gospel wasn't being contained it was being released and and the the whole methodology of of the release thing is that uh, the, there's something living here the the genome of the early church to the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. was that the gospel message was something that's alive yes. it wasn't to be categorized it took over your life. It's like, you know, in these days where we're getting word of a, a new uh, a new strain of, of COVID and, oh, oh no, because it's going to spread. We, we've got to check people at, at airports again. The whole thing with the gospel is that it was going to spread. Kaboom. And yeah. uh, I just sort of preached on this on Sunday. Uh, you know, when the time was right in Galatians 4.4, God sent forth his son. It was mm. prime time. Prime time on TV is when most people are in front of the television, and that's when you can really communicate. Well, prime time, the, the, the Pax Romana in the Roman Empire is a time of peace uh, mm-hmm. where there's a road system. The Koine Greek was a common language, and, and people were disenchanted with their gods. And the Jews were really just giving up hope that trying to live under the law, they, they wanted a Messiah. They wanted something new and fresh. And the gospel was this antigen of something new that mm. could infect them and spread naturally if you didn't try to control it too much. Right, right. Well, yeah, and, and you, I mean, you alluded strongly to the idea, Tim, that you know the call to follow Jesus is not a compartment of our life. No, it is to be our life. Yeah, that that we are called to live on mission with Him, and and as disciple makers, we've got to model it. Yeah. you know, and show the way, and you know, the model. Uh, train release, you know, the whole equipping model is inherent in that. And so I think the parenting metaphor you, you, you yeah. brought up earlier really does make a lot of sense uh, yeah. that there needs to be a release or something isn't happening with maturing. Yeah. Now, now in terms of the control, control doesn't mean total domination. Mm. It's good to have, like w- when you're driving down the street, there, there are lines there to keep you in your lane. Otherwise major chaos uh, and so it's it's important, even in a disciple-making relationship, we mm-hmm. need to be accountable to someone else. Yes, we can't just be lone is. rangers doing our own thing. Uh, and also, to be honest with you, control is good because it does maintain doctrinal purity. So mm-hmm. that all of us, like the early church, we see what happened. Like people wanted to go off and, and give their own version of the gospel. And, and, and there's a lot of heresies that came up. Uh, and so control, if it's seen as giving us um, you know, really rails or guidelines uh, to stay in our lane, but that's all they're there for. Uh, then we're still free to drive and free to progress as well in terms of where we're going. Yeah. Well, I thought, you know, as you're saying, I thought of the time Jesus, when he gave some hard teaching yeah. and, uh, you know, people were leaving him and he said to his disciples, you want to leave too? Yeah. Like he was, say? you know, the, the phrase we use here is follow or not. He said, this yeah. is where I'm going. You're free to follow. He didn't badger them into following. Yeah. He didn't, you know, ridicule those who were leaving. He said, you know, this is this is where I'm at. In a way, the opposite of control. But yeah. yes, when they followed him, he was their teacher. Yeah. He was their, quote, their master. 
And, you know, he did call them to a narrow path, but they had a choice. And that's, a you know, that's radically different than uh, than imposed kind of straitjacket control. And I love their response, like, where else or to whom else would we go? Exactly. Which, which talks about the relational accountability. And also the, the whole thought of uh, Jesus as master and Lord. You know, John 13, he sort of turns the uh, world upside right by getting on his knees and, and showing uh, what it means to be a servant leader. Uh, but but in John 15, he, he wanted to elevate uh, his followers from just seeing themselves as servants of a master uh, to becoming friends of the king. And, mm. and Jesus said, I, I'm no longer going to call you that uh, because uh, titles are, are really, well, titles are important in life. Uh, some people like having initials before their name, but what people call you, it impacts your identity, right? Mm-hmm. And so if Jesus says, I'm no longer going to call you a servant because a servant doesn't know of uh, all about the, the, the master's business, but I'm going to call you my friends. It's an endearing term. It, it's a term of intimacy because everything the father who Jesus was accountable to, uh, everything that the father has disclosed to me, I'm making plain to you love, like love one another. Mm. And this is, a, I think that that's actually uh, the trans uh, translation of control to release by saying, I'm not going to call you a servant because I, because a master controls his servants. Mm. I'm going to call you my friend. I, I'm going to release you from that. And then you are to be released to do this to others as well. Oh yeah. Uh, that's so, so beautiful, Tim. You know, you mentioned earlier about the work of the spirit. I think this comes down to where the level of control happens. Yeah. Yeah. What where's control? And here's a here's a quote from from the book here. As people practice being controlled by the Holy Spirit, hearing his subtle promptings, listening for his small still voice, their faith and trusting God's control over their lives and their ministry grows and strengthens. Yeah. And that's really what we are equipping people to do. We yeah. want to equip people to offer themselves to God as living sacrifices, to be under his lordship, and to hear the voice of the Spirit. And, and that is really, we've talked about in the past, a key part of disciple making is training people to hear and respond to the voice of the Spirit. That's, you know, that's where control is exercised, really, in a, in a way, by the work of the Spirit in someone's heart and in their mind. Yeah. It's all about trusting and obeying, right? Mm. Uh, I had a quote uh, that I used on Sunday that, that a friend sent to me. It says, the more I demand an answer or some explanation from God on why I'm having to face whatever challenge I have in front of me, the less I find my satisfaction is in his presence alone. Uh, so often when we want to keep control, we have to have an answer for everything. Everything has to sort of uh, be tied together neatly and put a bow on top. Hmm. But but the Christian life isn't designed to be like that. There's this release where, where we realize that there's freedom in Christ, uh, but it's like flying a kite. Uh, you, you still have to be tethered to the source, hmm. but wherever the wind, the Holy Spirit, whatever blows you, you're, you're free to go. And I think we become much less demanding uh, when uh, we try to limit God in terms of he has to work like this so I can stay in charge. Right. <laughs> uh, but but really when because i preached on sunday like like god's totally dependable but he's utterly unpredictable right mm. you never know how he, he's gonna do it but you don't know how and that talks about the release element even in the way that he uh lives his life in us is that we can depend on his moral character his love for us but but there, there's so much uh, unpredictability of of uh, how life might happen. And, and, and that's good because you never know what's going to be coming around you the next corner. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, I think back as we move towards the close here, Tim, you know, I think that the mindset that that releasing someone to function according to their role, a past role, that that is part of the end game, that that is really the destination. The destination isn't control or clone or, you know, absolutely make everyone look like us or believe exactly like us, but to really release someone to be led and directed by the spirit. Yeah. If that's our, our end game, I think that changes the way we make disciples. Yeah. Yeah. The, the goal is to ultimately release someone. And that's, uh, that is part of the destination of disciple making that I think has to be in our face. Well, I think that's a good place to land the plane today, Darren. It's, uh, it's, uh, I'm looking forward to this new year uh, with you as we continue to delve into um, this more and more about what it means to follow Jesus practically. And uh, yeah, in terms of the legacy church model that many of us have to be weaned out of, and, and we can respect the, the good in it over the years, but, but there's a refreshing new wave, I think, of the spirit blowing that gives us mm. release. And uh, because of that, uh, God has an amazing adventure for us that is coming our way. Absolutely. And, you know, we're, next time we're going to jump into the whole section, how the church engages with people. Yeah. And this will be very forward looking and feed right into what you were just saying there, Tim. So looking forward to it, looking forward yeah. to discussing and sharing and uh, hopefully pouring some fire in the flames of people's disciple making passion. Yeah. God bless you. Have a great new year, even though you're going to probably hear this into the new year in February, maybe. But God bless you. I'm Tim Beadle, Darren Wright. Until next time, let's be disciple makers for Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining us. For more information, go to imakedisciples.com or ChristFollowerDNA.com. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts.